Hello, everybody. Simon Jacobson here. I welcome you to another episode of Wednesday Night Live. Tonight, we will be speaking about a historical phenomenon. The longest lunar eclipse, visible lunar eclipse of this century, which will be taking place on July 27th, which corresponds to the Hebrew day of the full moon, of this month of Av, the Hebrew month of Av, all taking place this Friday. Yeah. So, some of the greatest lessons in life we learn from watching and observing the cosmos. This is particularly true when we're talking about the moon. We see the moon's close proximity to Earth its haunting glow, its effects on earth, the tides, on some plants, in many ways that we, that we know and other ways we don't know, have mesmerized the human race. It's affected romance, science, religion, folklore. And we will therefore be talking about the lessons we learn from the moon in general, but particularly this longest eclipse, which will last, its totality, will last an hour and 43 minutes. It won't be visible to the, in America, North America, but it will be seen in much of the Eastern, a lot of the Eastern Hemisphere. So let's begin first with the dedication of this class. We're honored to dedicate this class in memory of Yehuda Abraham, the beloved husband of Zina, father to Shirley Gideon, Jackie and Dahlia. May the words that will be shared here, the inspiration, the good deeds that it will evoke in all of us, may they serve well to Yehuda Abraham and to his, and his loving family. With that, let us enter into the core of the issue, and that is, what is this about the moon that affects us so that we can stare at it you see two people who love each other, stare at the moon. You don't see them gazing at the sun, even with sunglasses. Something about the moon. And of course, here we'll be talking about the eclipse. Now, what's interesting, just a few, I guess, scientific facts, maybe historical facts, astronomical facts. I mentioned the Hebrew month for a reason. Even though this program, this class, is listened to by many people from different walks of life and different backgrounds, Jewish and non-Jewish, but because the Hebrew calendar is structured around the lunar cycles, it's a lunar calendar, as opposed to the Gregorian calendar, the popular calendar in the West, which is essentially a solar calendar. The solar year is approximately 365 days. The lunar year is actually 11 days less than that. It is around 354 and, and some days Therefore, there's a 11, an 11 days and some hours discrepancy between the two. So as when you count the lunar year, the lunar calendar, everything is by the cycles of the moon. Cycles of the moon, as we know, follow the, full moon, the, the new moon, which would be the first day of the Hebrew month. The first quarter would be approximately the seventh day of the Hebrew month. The full moon would be the 15th day of the, full, of the Hebrew month. And the third quarter would be approximately the 22nd day of the, of the Hebrew month. 
And this reverse this repeats itself every month. And thus, if you know it's the full moon, you know it's the 15th day of the Hebrew month. In the solar calendar, that's not necessarily the case. This year, July 27th. It could sometimes be a different day in July. Because it's a different calendar, which we're not really going to discuss. It's not that relevant to our topic. I just wanted to point that out. And as thus, because it's the full moon, you'll find in the Jewish calendar significant days connected to a full moon because a full moon indicates on full blessings, complete light. Light and darkness are archetypes for blessing and the opposite of blessing. When things are bright and light, we say, you know, my life is, my life is lit up or I'm in a dark mood. We know what we mean. So when you say a full moon, means even though it is the middle of the night, because the moon comes out at night, yet it is as, it's as capacity and it's reflecting the sun to earth. And we all know the moon is always full from a certain angle. We're talking about its reflection to the human race on earth. And therefore it indicates blessings. On the other hand, when you look in the Talmud, you'll find that a lunar eclipse is actually considered to be a bad sign, a bad omen. And it's discussed in many books what that means exactly, because obviously it cannot take away free will. Remember, all these lunar eclipses and their cycles and movements are all calculated and are predestined. So you cannot say that it's predestined that there'll be something bad will happen. But we have as predispositions. There are times in our lives, there are times in the seasons, there are times in years and certain periods where we may have a predisposition. It's like a, a low state. And we try to avoid certain things. It's like just like in the human being. Sometimes you're not in a great mood. So it's not the best time to start a new project where you need a lot more energy. Maybe that's a time for introspection, just like it is in business. When business is not going so well, now's the time for assessment, evaluation. When things are going well, that's when you invest a lot more energy, a lot more new initiatives. So the same thing is in the cycles of time. Time is energy. We've discussed this many times. So there are times where the energy is a little lower energy. And therefore, it is a, is a predisposition to what we call negative energy. Not that it has to be negative, but it is that type of state. So the lunar eclipse, the Talmud says, has that type of negative, which of course begs the question, here you have the paradox of full moon, which is blessings, as we'll discuss in a moment some more elaborately. On the other hand, the lunar eclipse is the concealment of light. It's the blocking of the moon and its glow. So how do you reconcile the two? And we all know that a lunar eclipse only happens when there's a full moon. Because you need the balance, you need the, the earth to be casting the shadow on the moon. The earth is perfectly between the sun and the moon to allow for a lunar eclipse. That's exactly the same coordinates necessary for a full moon. But in a full moon, the earth is not in between. So that's why the earth sees the full moon and it's not blocking. But in the full moon, the night of the full moon will always be the night of an eclipse. And as such, it seems to contradict the positivity of it. But as we'll learn, there's tremendous, beautiful, and fascinating lessons to be learned, both from the ebb and flow, the waxing and waning of the moon in general, and particularly in this case with this longest lunar eclipse in the century. It's not the longest in history. There have been recorded the ones that a bit, a bit more. I've seen 104 minutes, which would be an hour and 44 minutes, uh, maybe 105, six minutes, I don't remember. But in this century, the 21st century, this will be the longest. I think the next... Long one will be in 2123. So 
So we're talking about the next century, in over 100 years from now. These are not accidents. These tell, teach us things. And that's what we're talking about. We'll teach to learn the lessons, the psychological, spiritual, and emotional and spiritual lessons to each one of us and collectively, both to grow in our own personal lives and in our relationships. A few key introductions that are important here. You could say this whole thing sounds very poetic, very metaphorical, very cute, but there's something very vital to understand, and, and modern physics has actually corroborated this. In the mystical teachings, there's a principle, a core principle, which teaches us microcosm, macrocosm. Everything that exists in the macrocosm exists in the microcosm. Like a hologram. So that's why you find today, this may have been once a, a, a so-called a uh, mystical or a, uh, a uh, as I said, poetic idea. Today in physics you find this. The structure of the atom, the structure of subatomic poly- of par- particles is universal everywhere in existence to the point that they actually sense each other. Again, this is not the time to speak about it, but it's a very tremendous concept. What does it tell us? It tells us something fascinating, that there's an integral unity, an inherent unity to all of existence. So even though the moon looks out there and the sun is out there and you have creatures on earth and creatures in heaven, creatures as the celestial bodies in heaven, and you have all the different multitude of stars and quasars and black holes and galaxies and, and solar systems and so on, it's not all out there, it's all also within here. And indeed, a beautiful verse. The world I've given into their hearts. In other words, when you do something in your life, in a way it has a ripple effect on the entire universe. And the entire universe is, exists within you in microcosm. Now, it doesn't mean the actual physical universe, obviously. It means the energy of the universe, the, the, the structure of the universe. And that's why you'll find the similarities between all parts of existence so many common denominators, because there's an integral unity that connects us. What I'm saying is that basically in context of our discussion, there is the moon within you. Let's call it an archetype, lunar energy. And there's the sun in you, solar energy. So just like we speak about different forms of archetypes, so too there's the lunar archetype. What is the lunar archetype and what does it mean in our lives? So the lunar archetype, let's compare it to the sun. Sun and moon are a team. The moon is like a recipient, can even be called a student of the sun. In what sense? The sun's light reflects, the moon reflects the sun's light and casts its own glow as a result. You block the sun, the moon has no light. That's why, indeed, we find, for example, well, that's a solar eclipse, which we're not discussing, we did find that when the sun is, that's why there's a lunar eclipse. The earth is blocking the sun. The shadow of the earth is cast on the moon. So you see a red moon or you see a very pale moon or you don't almost see no moon. It, it comes down, it's blocking. So the moon, as the words of the mystical text called the Zohar says, less, it has no light of its own. Less It has nothing of its own. All its light comes from the sun. And yet, it's not just a mirror image. You see something transformed, a metamorphosis that the light goes through when it goes through the moon. And it has that different type of haunting glow. It doesn't even look like the sun. I mean, they're both spheres, and they both give off light, but it's a very different type of light. It's a grayish, palish, 
haunting glow, as we see. And when the moon does indeed, is indeed full and reflects the sun, it has also an impact on earth. I mentioned before the tides. If it's just a reflection of the sun, then why, why does it have such an effect? Because the gravitational pull and the, light, and the moon being in a certain position and reflecting the sun affects the tides of this world. The actual ocean tides. As well as certain plants that come out at night and grow to the light of the moon. And many other scientific and other uh, impact that the moon has on our existence and our lives. So the moon is a, it, in, in, in the physical sense of it, is essentially a recipient of solar energy. But it gives it to us in its own particularly unique fashion. So to use the example the mystics explain, student and teacher. The teacher teaches the student, but the student now adds something of its own. Not a new light. It's reflecting, but it adds a dimension that only a student could add. So we'll call one transmission, aggressive energy, meaning aggressive, not the word aggression or violent, but aggressive meaning initiating light. The sun gives off light like a teacher initiates. And the other we will call receptive energy, or sometimes referred to as intimate energy. So when two people love each other, they both give and take, but the giver is initiating more, and the recipient gives something back in return. When you love someone and they look back to you in your eyes, there's something you get back that can't quite be described, but it's not just a reflection of what you give them. There's something about receiving. There's something about being vulnerable. As a powerful intimacy is created, that cannot just come from one giver and the other just receives. So it's not just like pouring water or liquid into a container. Here the container does something as it receives. When we are receiving love from someone that cares about us, there's something that creates a glow within us, the lunar glow. So when we talk about this context, it's not just give, giver and receiver, it's actually giving energy and receiving energy. Think of it that way. And as I said, giving energy is more what you give off. And lunar energy is more what you receive, but in receiving, it's like, we'll call it intimate and personal energy. How does that apply itself in life? Just to give an example or two. We, each of us has talents, we have skills, we have intelligence, we have what to contribute. So you meet people, whether it's friends or strangers or at work or in family context, and you're part of, let's say, a project, so, or you're in a conversation or whatever else is happening, and you give off a certain energy, you exude an energy, you exude a message, you exude uh, an idea, you exude a solution. That's your solar energy at work. You, as you are giving off, as you are emanating light, solar, the solar archetype within us. What is the lunar archetype within us? When we're not speaking, when we're listening, when we're absorbing, when we're in a mode of receiving someone else's message or care or love. Now, but we're not just passive standing bystanders receiving. Something happens when you're nurtured. It causes you to smile. It causes you to feel good inside. What's happening when we're doing that? We're accessing another part of ourselves, which is not the giver, it's the receiver. And that happens to be even deeper than the giving. Because what you give off is not your essence. You're giving off what you're capable of doing. Your, we'll call it your manifestations, your expression. But when you're in receiving mode, silence and receptivity touches the core of you, which is the more intimate part of yourself. 
the part that is not easily expressible or not expressible at all. So when someone will say to you, let's say you're sharing something loving, so you'll say, I love you, and you use words, descriptive words and expressive words and passionate words of care and love, and then someone will say, have you captured it all? You'll say no. As much as I was able to express, I expressed in words, in body language, in my feelings. What about the others? So there's an expression, Liba Lepuma Legalia. That which is the depths of our intimate part of our hearts, we cannot express with our mouths. Like you say, it's, it's inexpressible what happened. When people find that deepest moment of ecstasy in any loving experience, there's a point where you have no words. Why? Not because it is, not because you are beneath words, it's because you're above words. As I've explained many times, that when someone asks you to speak about something about, something more superficial, the weather, sports, even something not so superficial, you can have many words about it. But someone says, tell me something about yourself, about your inner, most, inner, innermost core. You'll find lack of words. Not only because you're ashamed or because you don't want to share with others your intimate confidences. Because even with people that are close, we don't always have words. Why? Seems odd. The most deep, deepest part of you should be able to express much more than things that are more superficial and uh, surface level. The answer is because words are containers. And as containers, a container can only contain that which fits. So regular language, conventional language, is good enough for conventional expressions. Something deeper, you need a different type of language. So we've created the language called metaphor. Metaphor, poetry. And there we can suddenly express ourselves in broader ways. But even that sometimes is inadequate. And the only thing that can express is a cry or a laugh. A moment of deep shock. You have no words. Or a moment of great joy. And then there's a point, even a cry, even a oy vey, even a laugh is not enough. You're completely silenced. And in that silence, the mystics say, lies the deepest power. Because it's so profound, it can't even express itself even in a iota of a sound. Because sound itself defies this experience. I would say the other way around. The, the, the silence, the intimacy, defies any form of sound. And this can be in positive ways, and God help, help us, it should never be in negative ways. So expression, paradoxically, is a sign that you're not expressing the innermost. So when the sun gives off light, yes, that's its, its identity, it gives off its light, but does the sun give us all its light? There are things in the sun we are not aware of. We study it, we try to extrapolate from, this, from, the, from the different light, but there's many waves, type of different light waves that the sun has, different energies that we're not really familiar with. What's inside of its deepest inner core of its furnace? Fascinatingly, the moon, even though it's a recipient, you say it's only a reflection of the sun, but in its reflection, because it's in its repose, it's in a passive state, it's in a state of absorbing, it reaches deeper into the core of what light is about. <clears throat> so it's not about how loud and strong it is, it's how intimate it is. And that's why the moon is associated with intimate energy, lunar energy. The night is associated with intimacy, with love. Not that day doesn't have a connection to love, but day is revelation. And night and moon is, in, is innermost intimacy. 
So revelation sometimes goes, is, I can't say it counters it, we want to express the inexpressible, but revelation by definition, words, are good for the experience on the defined level. But the undefined levels, the levels that, are, that uh, defy definition and transcend parameters, is far more expressed in the intimacy of the, of the moon. Which is why the sun is associated more with masculine energy and the, and the moon is associated with feminine energy. Now let me make it clear. Mas- men have masculine energy and feminine energy as do women. So we're talking here the archetype of the feminine. The archetype of that the glory of the, queen, of the princess is within. Not how much you express yourself. There are people who make a lot of noise and they express themselves and they have very good things to say. But can you just be quiet? Can you just experience love? <clears throat> can experience love without, word, without words, without expressions? So you'll say, one second, we live in a world where expression is so vital. It's vital, but it's not the only thing. Love is expressed through eyes, through looks, through experiences that are not always captured in language. And this is a fundamental principle. You find this in philosophy, especially in the Eastern schools of thought, the idea that language itself is quite limited. We use it, and we want to use language to express that which is beyond language. That's why when I say a beautiful sunset, so yes, there was a word I used, sunset, but what is it evoking in you? The, the feelings that you have when there's a sunset. It's much more than the word. Someone ever saw a sunset, and I said sunset, it would mean nothing. Unless they can imagine it. The same thing with the bubbling of of an ocean as it washes up on the dry sand or the budding of a flower or so many other natural and other phenomena and experiences that we describe. So we use words, but what is the good communicator? They use words, but the words evoke, they paint a picture, an image, a visualization, and the visualization is far more than the words. The words is like the words on, on paper in a book, but a good writer you get mesmerized. You get consumed by the story. You don't even realize there are words. You don't even realize there are pages you're turning. You don't even realize it's a book. What's happening? Words are being used to experience something that's more than just the sum total of the words. That's lunar energy, my friends. And we need both of these. We need the time to express, the time to receive, the time to give, the time to take, the time to transmit, the time to absorb. And we need to also balance the two. That's why we balance the lunar and the solar. But within us, if you can master your, the rhythms of your solar energy and master the rhythms of your lunar energy, your relationships will be enhanced, your personal life will be enhanced. Because you realize, you know, there are times I need to be in a solar mode and there are times I need to be in a lunar mode. Now let's move this now to the next step when we talk about the full moon. We see another thing with the sun and the moon is the sun's aggressive energy, what I call the masculine archetype, is one that continues to give. It flows every morning. The sun rises, gives off its light. There are very little shifts. Yes, there are solar flares and there are sunspots and there's different solar storms and so on. But it's not a constant phenomenon that we are relate to all the time, even though it may be happening on the sun. The moon, on the other hand, is never in a stationary, static way. It's constantly going through phases. 
you study the moon, every day the face changes because the, the, the movement of the bodies. So you have, as I said, the new moon where you don't see anything. The first quarter, the crescent. The full moon, the, the third quarter, the crescent, the other side. And then, again, as it waxes and it wanes. And you could actually see almost the day of the month if you look at the moon. Why? Because giving energy is giving. Giving is giving. You're, you're an engine, and you're, you should be exuding and contributing. That's the solar mode. The lunar mode is, by definition, not a giving energy. It's an intimate energy. An intimate energy is far more subtle, like the petals of a flower. Like you look at the most intimate parts of our beings are not always in one way. It's not like saying, oh, what mood are you in? You know, you, moods change. They shift. You'll see when a person is in an intimate state, one little sound, music, a positive sound, a negative sound has such impact because you're dealing with very, very subtle states where everything matters. Like think of the dust on an eyeball. Because of its sensitivity, the dust is irritating. The dust on a finger is, doesn't mean anything. So the lunar archetype, the lunar energy within us is going through shifts. And the, and the cycles of the month reflect those shifts, reflect the moods, reflect different states and moods we're in. When we are full glory, that's in a state of full intimacy, full revelation on the, when I mean revelation, I mean revelation of the lunar experience. And that we'll talk about in a moment is a great day, full moon. But then it, it wanes. And the moon begins to diminish. It comes to a point that the moon is about to disappear and then it disappears. What is that? That at times, no light at all is emitted. That doesn't mean there's no moon there. That doesn't mean there's no one there. It just means now is a moment of complete silence. The sun wants to communicate. It communicates. The moon is not now in a place where it can be engaging with the sun. And that's why the moon doesn't reflect any light to earth. And then comes the rebirth. The rebirth. The moon is reborn in a speck of light and it begins to re-engage with its spouse, with its partner, the sun, with its solar counterpart. And it engages slowly, step by step, and it grows and it grows until it reaches the full moon. And the full moon, the moon and the sun are in an embrace where as much as possible, the receptive energy, the intimate energy is reflecting the solar giving energy. And that's a day that we consider to be special. That's why the Sukkot is the 15th of the month, the holiday that comes right after Yom Kippur. Interestingly, Rosh Hashanah is always the new moon because it's a new year. Passover is always on the full moon. Purim is always on the full moon, the 14th, 15th of the month. And in this month, there's a statement in the, in the Talmud that says, there weren't such great holidays, like, Yom, like the 15th of the month of Av, and Yom Kippur. It's equated with Yom Kippur. Why? So the Talmud gives reasons, but the, the great mystic, the Arizal, Isaac Lurie explains, the reason is because the moon is coming after a major injury. It's the rehabilitation of an injured and scarred and wounded moon because six days before, on the 9th of all, was the saddest day in the calendar, the Hebrew calendar, when the temples were destroyed and other tragedies happened. And those tragedies are what? In the archetype of the human being, in the dignity, in the malchus of the individual. So the full moon that follows an injured, an abused, a scarred or wounded dignity is the greatest holiday of all.
because it comes after such a great descent, and therefore its ascent, even though there's a full moon every month. But this full moon is unique. It's a full moon that came after loss. In our personal lives, think of it of love found, rediscovered after betrayal. Love rediscovered after betrayal, after violation of that trust and love. That's the full moon of this month. Again, I'm I'm elaborating only as much as necessary because I want to, of course, go to the eclipse. So we have this full moon, and that's why it's such a great day. Yes, more more to be said about it, but what it means psychologically and emotionally and personally, it's you at your dignity is at its full in full blossom and full bloom. You feel dignified, you feel special, and you feel that bond with the one that loves you, which is your son. And again, we talk about feminine or masculine, this is interchangeable because we all at times need to be lunar and sometimes solar. And we have both elements and dimensions. So we have here is the full moon, Hamisha Asabov, the 15th of August, which will be July 27th this year, this Friday. The full moon, completely in an intimate embrace, face-to-face with the sun, because that's exactly what it is, face-to-face. That's why it's full. That's why we see a full moon. When it's not full, it's not face-to-face. It's a little to the side. When it's a new moon, or right before the new moon, it's back-to-back, basically. Not necessarily literally, but the idea is that it's not reflecting it to earth. When it's face-to-face, that's the full bloom of an embrace of the feminine and the masculine, of the intimate and the expressive energies. In the, in the language of Hasidic, the Hasidic lexicon, it's the giving energy, the light that exudes, and then there's the light that radiates with, internally within yourself. And they both join. So let's not talk about, so what about this lunar eclipse? And what about this long lunar eclipse? Not just a lunar eclipse. It lasts longer, some, in some cases, almost double, or at least... Um, one, one and a half times the length of re- usual lunar eclipses. So the eclipse of the sun, I'm sorry, the eclipse of the moon, let's define first of all technically what that is, and then we'll apply this to the psychological, emotional state. The, 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 the eclipse of this moon is basically the sun, the earth, which usually, which is, excuse me, I lost my voice <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe this is about voice, sun being voice, and losing the voice is more like a lunar state. I think I'm entering into, into lunar silence. <clears throat> so what do you have here? You have here when the lunar eclipse happens, so the shadow of the earth is blocking, is cast over the moon. That means the earth is right now. The moon is here, the earth is here, and the sun is here. Obviously, it's not exactly linear like that because it's the different tilts. Because then every, every month... You should have a, an eclipse, but we don't have an eclipse because it's based on the tilts. But the positioning is that the Earth's shadow casts a, full to- a totality, a total eclipse, is the full shadow is cast on the moon, and therefore the sun is unable to reflect totally to the Earth. The Earth is in between, so to speak. So the moon's embrace of the sun is being in some way, I would say the word severed, but being compromised. That's why it's a negative thing. Because on the full moon, in the time when the intimate energy is ready to completely embrace face-to-face its partner, suddenly there's something that blocks that flow, 
that's a sad, a sad moment. But as we'll discuss in a moment, so we don't let it's not an end in itself, but it's a type of break and it reminds us of something. Why do we need to be told this? Why can't we have? We have the rest of the days of the month are reminded that the moon is in a diminished state. Why do we need to be reminded at the high point? So it reminds me what happens by a chuppah, by a wedding ceremony, a Jewish wedding ceremony, at the high point of the wedding. You just got married, literally. Right at the end of the ceremony. What do you do? You break a glass. Why do you break a glass? So some say it's to remind ourselves of the destruction of the temple, the ninth of Av, of the tragedies and the losses. But why now? You could save it to the end of the wedding. You could do it later. It's like the high point of a couple's life, a high point of their family's life. Because we want to remember we don't live in a perfect world yet. As long as there's one break in the world, as long as there's one broken heart, as long as there's one person on earth that is not happy and does have not found their soulmate, we cannot completely celebrate with full intensity. So we celebrate and we're happy, but we remember at the heights of our joy, we remember the less fortunate. It's a tremendous lesson. So right here, the high point of the full moon, we remember the world is still not perfect. And there can be an eclipse. And that eclipse reminds us to be humble, even in our great joy. Even in our great light, even in the full moon, be humble. Be humble and recognize that there's a bigger picture here. So in a sense, a lunar eclipse is a reminder, not of negative things, it's a reminder that we're sensitive people and have empathy even at our height of our great joy, even at the height of the great light. See, if the world was a perfect world, you wouldn't need it. But remembering someone when you are happy is not a moment of sadness, it's a moment of joy, but not joy that's selfish, a joy of recognizing that you care about another person and you're there to help them. So the lunar eclipse is teaching us it's not perfect. That's why you can have something, a, a day that's a beautiful day, the full moon, and it's like a holiday like no other, as I mentioned, the 15th of Av. But when you say something is good for somebody, that doesn't mean 100% everything is perfect. Even within ourselves, let alone other people. You may be very happy about many things, that doesn't mean every aspect of your life is all worked out. And there may be other things that still need mending and correcting. Don't get arrogant in your joy. So it's like recognizing that perfection means also being aware of and honest with the things that are not perfect yet. And do whatever you can to correct it. But what's fascinating here is that right after that lesson is learned, it's not like the moon was fundamentally wounded. An eclipse is not a wound. An eclipse is an eclipse. Because as that hour and 43 minutes will pass, you'll suddenly start seeing the emergence of the moon from the shadow the shadow of life, and come to realize that the moon is never really, was, was not really darkened. It was only darkened from our, in our perspective. And it comes back in its full glory as a full moon. But it's within that we remember. We remember the heights of our joy, the heights of our embrace of the sun, the heights of our connection. We remember that, it, that we ourselves have imperfections and there are eclipses that are still have to be reckoned with and dealt with. And when we do that, we're able to regain the full moon and its blessings because we are going in with humility and we're going with a commitment to do whatever it can to repair within ourselves and within others that which needs repair and not arrogantly say, oh, you know what, I have, I'm a full moon now. 
and I have just experienced the, full, the sun, and we're in a full embrace, face to face. You don't let that get to your head. You don't let it get to you. You allow yourself to remember. So when the lunar eclipse is a particularly long one, of historic proportions, it's a wake-up call. It's meant to tell us something. It's meant to tell us, yes, we are living in times of great blessings, full moon blessings. Look at the prosperity. Look at the comforts. Look at the lack of persecution. You know, compare it to previous generations. It's literally messianic. Such beautiful times we live in. But don't get arrogant in those comforts. Yes, it's true you don't have to hide and you don't have to be concerned and afraid that someone's going to compromise your faith or your belief systems and value systems. We have challenges. And I understand some people think that Trump is like the apocalypse or other things. But look, look at the balance and let's be honest in our appraisal of things. Beyond politics, we live in a world that's a very blessed world. And you're blessed with life and health and livelihood and family and love. Be humble in those blessings. Don't sound these but but as you're but as we live in all these great blessings, let's not become apathetic or arrogant. Comes a lunar eclipse, and not just a lunar eclipse, a lunar eclipse in the 21st century. The century that is being called the information revolution, the century of AI, the century that's supposed to transform all of life and make it so easy, so comfortable, a century where we see a world peace can be achieved. A century where we will achieve some of the greatest unprecedented developments in medicine, in longevity, in so many conquering so many illnesses and so on. In this century, in the 18th year of this century, we are reminded of a lunar eclipse, the longest in this century. Perhaps is the humbling moment to teach us. 2001, we also had a humbling moment. It's called 9-11. And it still affects and cast this long shadow till this day. But that was a negative reminder of the worst sort. Not that it couldn't have been worse, but it was people died. It was a terrorist attack. And we know how the world changed since. I don't know if we learned our lessons from it, but there's change. 2018, it's not quite as dramatic in the sense of death. Thank God. But it's on the other hand very dramatic because it's a lunar eclipse that affects the entire world and Earth. And it's being talked about. It will last over an hour, an hour and 30, what did I say, an hour and 43 minutes, which is 103 minutes, right? 60 and 43. And it lasts that long to teach us don't get haughty, don't get overconfident. In this century, with all its developments, remember there's still an eclipse. And the eclipse is a reminder that to do whatever we can to grow and to do whatever we can to dig deeper. And yes, to gain and, and gain and earn our way, and earn our right to experience the full moon, the full intimacy. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of challenges, especially in relationships, which is what I want to dedicate my words now to. Everything I spoke about is relevant to every aspect of our lives, but in relationships more than ever. There's a crisis of intimacy in our times. There's a crisis in the world of the lunar energy within us. Solar energy, we are very good at being aggressive. We've developed technologies, we've developed methods, business people, we know how to negotiate, we're go-getters. We're solar animals, in a way. But when it comes to intimacy, the quieter moments, we're not good at all. Look what's happening, the breakdown of family. 
the breakdown of relationships, the divorce rate. Children just need quiet time. We are on our gadgets all the time. We're constantly creating. We're constantly reinventing. We're constantly initiating. How about just kicking your shoes off and just experience a beautiful moment? When was the last time you had a conversation, eye-to-eye conversation without any distractions? An intimate moment. The moon is sorely lacking in our lives. Moon is also dignity. The dignity of a human being. You can have intelligence and emotional intelligence and be a brilliant person and successful dignity. Dignity is a very quiet place. You can't really even put your finger on it. What is dignity? It's an innermost and intimate feeling when a mother stares in her child's eyes and they lack, or when one lover looks at another person that loves them. They lack, the gaze lacks. Hard to describe, there are no real words. We're living in a crisis of that. That doesn't mean we don't want it, doesn't mean we don't need it, and it doesn't mean we can't access it. But we need to address it. So what better time to have a lunar eclipse? While we're in the midst of our aggressive behavior and all the successes, we're reminded, and we're not reminded, thank God, in a way where there's a crash, an economic crash, or or an emotional crash, or a financial one, or war, or others, It's not such a disruption. It's simply looking up to the skies and saying, what do you teach us? What lessons are we learning from the heavens? And there's a tremendous lesson. We have a full moon coming, but we also have an eclipse of the moon. So you can have both. You can have the blessings of the moon, but also realize the moon is very fragile, very vulnerable. We need to protect the vulnerability of our intimate lives, of the vulnerability of the intimate lives of our children who are defenseless, Innocent, pure. We need to protect the purity within our own inner child. That's the call of our times. So we have the message. Full moon, you have it all. Your vulnerability can be intact. The beautiful dignity that every person deserves. And yet, there's so many forces that eclipse that dignity. Whether it's the rat race of the marketplace, whether it's competition, whether people feeling the survival of the fittest, they see hostility, they see anger, the constant need to outdo each other, all that comes with that. Where is the nurturing of the inner flower? Look at a flower. So the the mystique of a flower captures the mystique of a human being, especially the feminine energy. You see petals, but as you go in, you see there's deeper secrets and deeper and deeper and deeper to the point you don't even know how far can you go. And you come to recognize you can't go and control everything. Aggressive energy is, I want a loaf of bread, I go out and get it. I want a job, I'll network, I'll advertise. I want customers, I'll do the same. When it comes to love, truth, God, soul, intimacy, where are you going to go buy? Which store? Which supermarket? Does Amazon offer it? Can it be delivered to your door within hours, within minutes? No, because it's right here. But it's concealed. Like Michelangelo's famous answer. Where I see the angels trapped, and they asked him how he carves such beautiful angels in the marble. He says, I see the angel trapped in the marble, and I carved and carved and set her free. We have to set our intimacy free, our lunar energy free. So there's a lot of sunlight, metaphorically and literally speaking. A lot of power. Look at companies, what they're building and so on. 
But what about the nurturing of the human spirit, of the child within? How much energy and focus are we placing there? So we're given here a full moon. You have the full vulnerability. You have the full embrace and the love of the sun. But we're reminded there are forces that eclipse and forces that are, can last long. A long eclipse, an hour and four and thirty, an hour and forty-three minutes. For a lunar eclipse, that's relatively long. In our case, unfortunately, it sometimes lasts more than an hour and forty-three minutes. We could be spending seven, eight average hours a day just in front of a screen. Facebook, two, two and a half billion users, average user, almost the same time as the time we spend every day in eating and drinking. Intimacy, we need to regain and reclaim our vulnerability and our intimacy, our moon, the lunar energy. What better lesson to be learned from the full moon and its long eclipse? Only from the eclipse to come away to a deeper appreciation of the light. Because, you know, during an eclipse, you could see parts of the moon you can't see when there's no eclipse. So an eclipse for all the downside also has revelatory elements. It's like when you see someone under pressure, In crisis, strengths emerge that you can't see in regular times. So the eclipse can also teach us things. But our real goal is to get beyond it and to appreciate the full moon and its blessings. And appreciate our vulnerability, appreciate our intimacy, protect it. Sacred. Not, God forbid, uh, for sale or being, being hurt or abused or used by anybody else. That's what we need, to be able to live in a world where there's that trust. And we don't need to put up fortresses and armor and layers and layers and layers. So of all places, this message is relevant is in the area of relationships. Because nowhere does our vulnerability and does our intimacy and does our fragility and does all our innermost forces grow or suffer. You know, our outer armor can handle different types of experiences. We're more resilient but it's the soft underbelly. It's the innermost intimacy of your life, the moon within you, the lunar energy within you, that is most vulnerable, that's most susceptible to being hurt, but also to finding tremendous growth and healing. And healing. And from the 15th above the full moon, we move from there two weeks later, as the moon wanes, to a new moon, when we're told Moses goes up on the mountain for a third time, to pray for forgiveness, and we're told it's the month of compassion. Virgo, following the month of Leo. Now we're Leo, the lion, Arie. And we go into Psula, Virgo, the month of love, and the month of reconciliation, and the month of compassion. The month when the king, does, king is in the field. Those of you familiar with my book, 60 Days, which we're now re-releasing, which is a journey a personal, spiritual, and psychological, emotional journey through the 60 powerful days, beginning in two weeks from this Friday, and lasting all the way through the two Hebrew months of Elul and Tishrei, continue this journey that begins in the 15th, the full moon, which continues the journey from the 9th, of, of, goes back, all the way back, to the exodus from Egypt, as I discuss in the book 60 Days. Check it out. It's our personal journey and odyssey, through ups and downs, waxing and waning, twists and turns. But it's a journey. We're going somewhere. And even the waning of the moon, and even the eclipse of the moon, all are a journey to find deeper reconciliation, deeper love. But not one that's naive, 
where you don't realize that there are potential risks and potential dangers. But you are sensitive to that and humble in that recognition. And altogether, we take it all to the point where we can embrace the two. And we can truly learn to love each other in a full moon embrace, in a full glow embrace of sun and moon. And the eclipse does only, only serves as a way to just bring that, to strengthen that bond and that connection. The fusion of what the Kabbalists call of sun and moon. Yichut Shim the unification and fusion of solar and lunar energy in its full glory, in its full way, each one appreciating the other, to the point where you really come to recognize that the lunar energy is even deeper and stronger than the solar energy. But you need the solar energy to reveal that because the solar energy is a revelatory energy and the lunar energy is an intimate energy. So it's revealing the intimate. It's revealing the unrevealable. It's expressing the inexpressible in a full dance, in a joining and fusion, a marriage of sun and moon, of feminine and of masculine and feminine, of giving and taking, of exp- expression and intimacy. May we each celebrate this in the most proper and powerful way, which is why the 15th of Ove is actually a day that the Talmud talks about marriage. It's like the Sadie Hawk, Jewish Sadie Hawkins Day, where the women went out, the daughters of Zion and Jerusalem went out to the fields, and they joined and they're looking for their mate. It's a day of marriage, a day of connection, a day of masculine and feminine, a day of, uh, of solar and lunar joining together. So this, my friends, is a, I would say, relatively brief summary of the power of this longest eclipse, the power of the sun and the moon, and how it relates to our personal lives. I welcome your questions, your comments. I'll be happy to elaborate further. And if you go to our website, MeaningfulLife.com, and just search for these words, sun, moon, these ideas, you're guaranteed to find more great material. And please see us as partners. May we all experience the fullest of our sun, the fullest of our moon, and join together in this beautiful dance, cosmic dance, and physical dance, and emotional and psychological dance of this total fusion of intimacy and expression. Thank you so much. And until next Wednesday, everyone have a very blessed week.